0: May I speak in the name of the holy and blessed Trinity, one God in three persons. Amen. Nicknames can be trivial. They can be lighthearted and fun. They can be tantalizing buried deep in history, making you wonder how anyone could end up being called that by their friends. Nicknames can also be powerful weapons, locking their recipients into a fixed identity, years after the original event that caused the nickname in the first place. I went to primary school with Mary the Mona, In order for you to understand my story, I need to explain to those of you who are either of tender age, or who didn't go to school in the English primary state school system, that there was a time, a long, long time ago, when the government gave free milk to school children. It came in little bottles and would be delivered to the classroom before morning break. One day, in morning break, Mary got the bottle of milk that we were all trying to avoid. We'd seen it. It was sitting in the sunshine on the window ledge. The rest were safely nestled in the shade, but one had been left out. And we watched it during the morning lesson, getting gently warmed by the sun. And so, being the uncharitable people that we were, we all avoided it. Mary came last. So she got the warm milk. She had no choice. Those of you who were at school in those days will remember that not drinking the milk. Was not an option. So she drank it. And as pretty much anyone would have done, described quite how unpleasant the experience was. From that moment onwards, she was Mary the Mona. Even to this day, wherever I think of her, she is in my head Mary the Mona even though I can't actually remember her moaning on any other occasion. Her nickname locked her in. She gained an identity from which she would never be free for those of us in her class. St Thomas, whose feast day we celebrate today, was similarly unfortunate in his nickname. As I'm sure you all know, he is Doubting Thomas, a nickname that comes from the Gospel reading we have just heard. But it's a nickname that is as unjust and unfair as poor Mary's was. Contrary to what nearly all English translations have, nowhere, at any point in this passage, does anyone use the word doubt? There is a perfectly good Greek word for doubt, and Jesus does not use it. What Jesus actually said to Thomas was, don't be unbelieving, but believing, or don't be faithless, be faithful, implies uncertainty, lack of confidence, maybe even an open mind. Thomas had none of these. Thomas, we are told, did not believe and stated as clearly as he could that he had no intention of ever believing. The only way he would change his mind would be if certain macabre conditions were met. He wanted to see Jesus's scars, put his finger where the nails had been, put his hand in Jesus's side. Thomas was no doubter. He was a clear, definite, unshakable non-believer. But what did he not believe? This is crucial to the whole story and, just as with his nickname, is often misunderstood. It wasn't Jesus in whom he didn't believe, or at least not directly. It was the experience, the story, the witness of the other disciples. They told him that they had seen the risen Jesus and he did not believe them. But this was not his permanent state. Thomas was a passionate believer. He was the one in John 11 who declared when Jesus refused to be dissuaded from going to Jerusalem that the disciples would go and die with him there. He was the one in John 14 whose passionate outburst caused Jesus to declare that he was the way, the truth and the life. Thomas was the one in this passage who, it turned out, didn't need to put his hand in the risen Jesus' side. Simply seeing him was enough. He was the first, and as far as the Gospels are concerned, the only person to declare that Jesus was not just his Lord, but his God too. Thomas's problem was not doubting. It wasn't even not believing As far as we know, he only did that here once. His problem was that his passionate, deeply held belief came solely from his own experience, his own seeing, his own knowing. What he struggled with was accepting the experience, the stories, the witness of others. What Jesus was pressing Thomas to, and indeed is pressing us to so many years later, is the importance of listening deeply to that experience, to those stories, to the witness of those around us, and allowing what we hear to shape our believing. Christian tradition provides us with an incredibly pleasing end to the challenge of Jesus in John 20. It remembers St Thomas as being a witness par excellence, taking his stories of Jesus and all that he believes so passionately about him, far beyond his home territory of Galilee and Judea, as far, we are told, as India a place that holds a special heart in the place of John and his family and friends, and also of Viv. Today, we gather to give thanks for the ministry, past, present and future, of John, of Simon, and of Viv. I am confident that I am not the only person here in this place who's believing in the Jesus who loves and who lives, has been enriched by John and Viv's and Simon's own experiences, their stories of faith, their witness to Jesus. For all that has been, we gather here in this place today with our hearts full of gratitude to God and to each one of you. But as you journey onwards into new passages of ministry, the challenge of Thomas rings clear in all our ears. We are called, all of us, who rejoice in addressing Jesus as our Lord and our God, to gossip the good news of Jesus wherever and whenever we can. We are called to tell our experiences of the love of Jesus, to shape stories of all that we have heard and seen. To bear witness to those to what, who we know this Jesus to be. But just as important, possibly even more important, we are called to be people who listen carefully and attentively to the experience, the stories and the witness of everyone that we meet it is so easy for those who lead to fall into one mode of being, broadcasting, being the one that tells the best stories in the best way the whole time. We don't know why Thomas couldn't hear and be affected by the story of the other disciples, but his inability to accept what the disciples said reminds us again and again and particularly today, to ex- of, of the crucial importance of listening deeply to the experiences of those we meet. Even if the stories they tell are half stories, faltering, incomplete stories of the Jesus they have encountered. And having listened to those stories to allow our faith to be shaped by what they have seen and heard. It's no easy task. It requires patience, generosity and care. But if we succeed, when we succeed, we are blessed indeed by the many stories we hear. Today, may we dump Doubting Thomas and all other constricting nicknames in the bin, once and for all, and go from here to live our lives heirs of his joyful, passionate believing, telling and receiving stories of lives transformed by the risen and ever-loving Christ. Amen.